You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, this crossover Thursday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. And on today's show, we are going to talk about the beginnings of a search for a beautiful Ring, and that would be a championship ring for the Tennessee Titans. And that search will start, and their path will start with a rematch against one of the Titans' biggest rivals, the Baltimore Ravens. And we are going to continue our preparation for that game on today's crossover Thursday. So, of course, on yesterday's show, we ended things by taking a look at what took place schematically between the Titans and the Ravens in their last two most recent. Matchup. So that was the beginning of our preparation there, laying a groundwork and a foundation for the conversation that comes today. So I'm going to start off today's show by giving you an update on the injury report that we got from the Titans to begin this week of practice. And there's a lot to talk about with who could play, who could be returning, a big name there that could help the Titans here. So excited to go over that injury report and kind of discuss the names we see and how we should take this information. But after we're done doing that, we will jump into a crossover Thursday conversation, and I'm getting very used to talking to this guy, and it is Kevin Ostriker from the Locked on Ravens podcast. Kevin does absolutely excellent work for the Ravens. He does video work as well, has some awesome hype videos that he puts together, so very talented guy, does a great job covering the Ravens, as you guys should know if you've listened to any of the previous conversations I had with him last year's playoffs or earlier this year in week 11, of course. So excited to dive into that conversation and continue our preparation for that big matchup against the Ravens this weekend. So a crossover Thursday here on the Locked on Titans podcast. Let's get it. crossover Thursday here on the Locked on Titans podcast and as we typically do I'm going to start off today's show going over the first injury report we got from the Tennessee Titans for this playoff game against the Baltimore Ravens going to talk about the names on the list and what that means for the Titans this week so we are going to start with the players who did not practice on Wednesday and that is backup guard Aaron Brewer and that's obviously something to watch as Roger Saffold's status can be considered up in the air. Kevin Byard also did not practice on Wednesday. Now, with Brewer and Byard, they are listed on the injury report as not 
injury-related. So obviously, at this time, if things aren't dire, you would expect those players not only to play in the game, but to return to practice today. Next, we have tackle Dennis Kelly, who's been missing Wednesday's practice and Thursday's practice a lot of the times, all season long, as he deals with a knee injury. It's something that he's been managing. They've been doing maintenance days for Dennis Kelly all season long, so I wouldn't be worried at all about his status for Sunday's game. And then the last player is someone that we do have to worry about, and that is guard Roger Saffold with his ankle injury that he re-injured in the game against the Texans on Sunday. Now, Saffold actually missed the last matchup against the Ravens because of some of those lower body injuries that he's been playing through throughout the year. But, This is the big piece of information that we need to take away from this injury report, and that was Roger Saffold's press conference from Wednesday in which he said he will be playing on Sunday. So based on those comments from the man himself and his status on the injury report being did not practice, I would tell you to put those two together and not worry your little hearts about Roger Saffold. Now the worry comes in, And is he going to be able to last throughout the whole game? We've seen Roger Saffold start games and be knocked out mid-game because of some of these injuries. So I'm certain that a tough guy like Roger Saffold will give it a go. But how long will he be able to last out there? That's something that Titans fans need to be looking at and more concerned about than his injury status throughout the week on the injury report. But that's all the players that did not participate in Wednesday's practice. So, not too terrible of a list when you consider that we know Dennis Kelly is just having a maintenance day, we know that Aaron Brewer and Kevin Byard are not injury-related, and we know that Roger Saffold already said to the media that he will play on Sunday. So, not a lot to be concerned about, and that's a pretty good feeling for the Tennessee Titans. But that's not even the biggest news of the day. We will get there, folks. But next, let's go into the limited participants on Wednesday. We have special teamer Darren Bates with a hip injury, A.J. Brown, who's Just been beat up all year long, and I thought Mike Vrabel had a pretty funny comment after the game on Sunday, and it's, um, do we know if A.J. Brown is hurt, or does he just want us to go out there, dust him off, and then put him back in the game? A.J. is the number one candidate when it comes to a player going out on the field, getting hurt early on, but then playing the rest of the game like nothing happened. So, I'm not saying A.J. isn't as injured as maybe it seems, but uh, definitely seems like it's something that he can just work through during the week and during the game, but it makes sense that the Titans decrease his workload during the week. A lot of the time, A.J. Brown will be limited either on Wednesday or Thursday and then not practice really the rest of the week until the final practice of the week where he goes full. So AJ Brown's a stud guys. Mike Vrabel knows he's a stud and he's not somebody who needs to practice all week to go out and perform his best. But limited is definitely better than did not participate. It's a it's a playoff week. We want to make sure that everybody's involved in the game plan and can get as much practice time as they possibly can. The next limited guy was Darrington Evans with a shoulder injury and that's kind of big for me because I think Darrington Evans will be a big player in this game and not in the sense of he's going to put up a bunch of stats, but In my opinion, based on what I've seen schematically from the Ravens, they run a lot of cover three, and they run a ton of man coverage. And when you run those two coverages primarily, it means that you're vulnerable in the flats. And 
on checkdowns. If you guys remember back to that last game against the Ravens, Cam Batson had a big play where Ryan Tannehill was blitzed. Cam Batson was an inside wide receiver. He helped the tackle with a chip on the defensive end and then darted out into the flat. Tannehill dumped it off to Batson and he scurried up the field for a first down on third down. I think the Titans are going to have to give Tannehill reliable check down options in this game. And sorry, but Derrick Henry is not one of those. Derrick Henry isn't the type of guy who's going to catch the ball in the flat, make a couple shifty juke moves, and get up the field for a seven-yard gain on third and six. It's just not who Derrick Henry is. Anytime Ryan Tannehill has tried to check it down into the flat to Derrick Henry this year, he usually gets trucked or gets hit immediately by somebody. He did have that that one play against the Ravens, in fact, where he went down the sideline on that check down out to the flat, but it's been few and far between. So I think the Titans need legitimate options in the flat, whether that be Jonu Smith, whether that be Cam Batson, or whether that be Darrington Evans. So Darrington Evans could have a pretty important role in this game if he's able to go limited with a shoulder injury on Wednesday. Next, Adoree Jackson, that knee injury, he was limited. Actually, the last few weeks, Adoree did not practice on Wednesday before practicing throughout the rest of the week. So can't have any concern here with him being limited. That's a good sign. Same with Ben Jones and his hamstring. Ben Jones, another offensive lineman who's just been battling through injuries all year long. I have faith Ben Jones will go. Jeff Swaim, it's time to play the Swaim. With a wrist injury, limited participant, I'm not worried about the Swaim going either. But the biggest news from the Tennessee Titans injury report is this. Titans outside linebacker Derek Roberson, who has missed the last few games with a hip and hamstring injury, was a full participant on Wednesday. And it's well documented the pass rush problems that the Titans have. And Derek Roberson may not be an incredible first and second down player, but he's definitely a pretty good pass rusher. And I would go as far as to say he's the best pure pass rusher the Titans have on the roster. That's a sad thing to say. No offense to Roberson, but it's just a reality. And Roberson actually played decently against the Ravens last time as that outside linebacker, that defensive end, with his responsibly, responsibility being crashing in on the running back in the read option. So having someone who's done this before and not relying on practice squad guys like Brooks Reed, Tazar Skipper, Wyatt Ray, I think that would go a long way for the Titans. So Roberson, in my opinion, the biggest piece of news coming out of the Titans Wednesday injury report. I normally go over the Ravens injury report too, but in our crossover Thursday conversation with Kevin Stryker, I actually asked him to give us a little bit of an update on the Baltimore Ravens injury situation. So he, in fact, did that, and you will get that information in our crossover conversation, which is going to be coming up now. This is the third time that I've talked to Kevin in the last 12 months, and the conversation never disappoints. So a lot of deep schematic information in here, and I ask him a lot about what's different from the Ravens that we saw in week 11 to now. So a lot of good information in this Crossover Thursday conversation, a playoff edition of a Crossover Thursday. So make sure that you get all you can out of that, and that will be coming up next. Before we get into this Crossover Thursday, I want to tell you guys about our people over at betonline.ag, giving you the best place possible to get a little more 
interesting with your football Saturday and Sunday. You got the NFL playoffs, you got the college football national championship, you got college basketball, the tournament's coming up, the NBA season has tipped off. There is only one place that has you covered on whatever wagers that you want to place, and there is only one place that we here at the Locked On Podcast Network trust. That's betonline.ag. So sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Once again, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Third time is a charm, a crossover Thursday conversation between me, Tyler Rowland of the Locked On Titans podcast and Kevin Allstriker from the Locked On Ravens podcast. Kevin, this is the third time in the last calendar year that we have had a crossover conversation, despite the fact that we are not in each other's division. These teams really like playing each other, don't they? Yeah, absolutely, Tyler. These two teams, they match up really well together, to be honest. Just the ground and pound styles these teams have, the underrated passing games these teams have, not to mention their defenses can also be up to the task. So this game on Sunday is going to be a good one, and I can't wait for it. Well, speak for yourself. Your defense may be up to the task, but I say (laughs) that as a joke. Obviously, in the last two games against the Ravens, the Titans' defense has played better than it does most of the time, so it leaves you kind of to wonder if the Titans' just philosophy they have for going up against the Ravens is just a good one, and and it helps them play better than they really are. But we're going to kind of get into that. So obviously, the, the Titans, when they played against the Ravens, they used their defensive ends and their outside linebackers to crash down the line of scrimmage and hit the running back. They assign their inside linebackers to scrape over the top to the Ravens in hopes that that they can push the Ravens horizontally, have them running horizontally, and then they can chase them out of bounds to the sideline. It's been effective to a point, at least, in the last two games. What do you think the Ravens may do differently on offense in this game to try to get a little bit more consistent success against the Titans? Yeah, Tyler, this game against the Titans, you look back on it, and this was an overtime game. Baltimore lost it, and it's really tough to imagine just how Baltimore lost it because they were going up big. They scored a touchdown in the third quarter to go up by a bunch, and usually the mantra with the Ravens is, look, the Ravens go up, and they're almost impossible to beat, yet Tennessee comes back and beats them. It was a combination of the defense just not finishing. Baltimore's defense has had issues throughout this season playing good 60 minutes of football, finishing an entire game going the full way, which is playing good football on defense. And we saw that. And look, you have to give credit to the Tennessee offense, to Ryan Tannehill, to Derrick Henry. Corey Davis torched the Ravens in this one, five for 113. I don't think I'll ever get the image of A.J. Brown plowing through the entire Ravens defense out of my mind anytime soon. It was just a bunch of different things. And against the Tennessee Titans, if you don't tackle, you don't win the game. And that's ultimately what happened in this one. On offense, at least, Lamar Jackson attempted 29 passes in this one. The Ravens ran 33 times, so it was a bit of a balanced attack by them. But, Tyler, in this game, this was right before the Ravens really found out who they were. They were kind of experimenting with things throughout the season. And Mm -hmm. guys like Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman, they've admitted that they were maybe trying to force things a bit earlier in the season. They were definitely trying to show teams that, hey, look, we can throw this football, too. We know we can run it but we're going to throw it as well. And that kind of came back to bite 
highlight them because, look, the identity of this team, the identity of the Baltimore Ravens is definitely a running offense. That doesn't mean their passing offense isn't effective, but they had to learn kind of going throughout this season how to make their pass game go out and perform right after their run game. So J.K. Dobbins gets 15 carries in this one, Lamar Jackson 13, Gus Edwards 3, and Mark Ingram 2. So this was just like the first couple weeks of them truly trying to identify who they were on offense. They identified, you know, a good offensive line that they have now in Baltimore. They're 5-0 and over the last five games mm-hmm. on a five-game winning streak. They outscored opponents on that five-game winning streak by 97 points. And it's really just the ground-and-pound offense that's been doing it with the hints of passing sprinkled in there. Lamar Jackson has greatly improved his deep ball accuracy, his throws to the sideline. In the run game, the Ravens are using a bunch more sweet motions and a bunch of draws up the middle with Lamar Jackson. You'll see Mm -hmm. them motion guys up the middle. Tons of motion now. That was a big change I noticed on tape. They're using way more pre-snap, at-snap motion, uh, varied runs. It seems like they're running, you know, more than just their typical power, their typical RPO stuff. Uh, It seems like they've really evolved the offense. Yeah, exactly. And the Ravens last year, they were, I believe, the number one team in pre-snap motion in the entire NFL. They have not changed that this year, but they've done it even more. And that has in Mm -hmm. turn resulted in some illegal formation penalties. The running joke is that every week Baltimore does get an illegal formation penalty. (laughs) But you'll see J.K. Dobbins motion across the field, take the ball from Lamar Jackson and just sweep it up the middle and cross the edge. And he has deceptive speed. People don't understand that. But what they do with that Mm -hmm. look as well is Lamar Jackson could pass off on that option and just take that ball straight up the middle. He actually Mm -hmm. scored on the exact same play using that exact play three times against three NFC East teams. So the Ravens have definitely utilized their pre-stat motion more. Their passing game is flowing. Their rushing offense is unbelievable. They rushed for over 400 yards last week against the Bengals. So they have definitely found their stride. Yeah, yeah, and it's been noticeable. And I can tell you, I can already hear in the back of my mind the the Titans fans listening saying, well, they haven't played any. I don't buy into any of that any year. The NFL is tough. It's tough to get wins. So the Ravens' streak that they're on and how hot they are right now absolutely has to be respected. But that's a really good breakdown of what we're going to see on the offensive side of the ball from the Ravens and what the Titans need to be looking out for. On the defensive side, I, I come again to, to reference something that you you talked about earlier, Kevin, you talked about Corey Davis's performance against the Ravens. And I'll tell you the reason that he had such success. The Ravens were running a lot of cover three and a lot of man, which means that the cornerback, as you know, I'm just explaining for the listeners, the cornerbacks are guarding the outside thirds of the field. So uh, what the Titans were doing to take advantage of knowing that you have a one-on-one matchup with the corner without any help on the outside, the Titans were faking their in routes faking their crossing routes that they run so successfully with play action. And then they were having their wide receivers bend back outside, specifically Corey Davis, who more often than not is the guy running the deep crosser. Why AJ Brown runs the, runs the in route over the middle that I'm sure Ravens fans know exactly what I'm talking about. The Titans run that drift play over and over and over again. So the Titans took advantage of the coverage that the Ravens were running very often in cover three and man, and used that fake crosser into the corner route to take advantage of the Ravens on defense. Do you think, Kevin, that they will go away from the the man and the cover three that they primarily ran in that last matchup and add in a little bit more cover two or cover four to take away what the Titans were doing on the outsides of the field? Yeah, Tyler, I think it's a good point. And the Ravens with their defense with Don Martindale, I think the first thing you have to look at is their ability to blitz the quarterback. And Ryan Tannehill has been one of the most lethal play-action passers in the league, but that's not all to his game. I think people 
kind of put Ryan Tannehill in this like category of, okay, well, he's a great play-action passer because he has Derrick Henry, this, that, and the other. But Ryan Tannehill is an effective quarterback. I think people are kind of putting him in a little bit of an underrated zone. But for the Ravens' defense, you know, you mentioned Corey Davis. I mentioned Corey Davis. I'm going to mention Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters had probably his worst game in a Ravens uniform against Tennessee. He was getting constantly burned by those outside schemes that Tennessee was running on offense. And for the Ravens, he was getting put on an island. So the Ravens were biting on the play-action fakes. And look, with Derrick Henry, you have to respect him as a runner. He's arguably the best running back in the NFL right now. I think I'd definitely give him that title. So you're going to be biting on those play-action fakes. And what that did was with the Ravens, when they bring guys up to the line, they, they can stack the entire line at points. You never really know how many guys are coming because Baltimore does love to blitz. But in that game, the Ravens definitely went with more of a heavy set. But part of that was they were missing Clayus Campbell and they were missing Brandon Williams, arguably their top two run defenders. Clayus Campbell also gives them an inside pass rush presence. So what they were doing to try to take away the run and pretty much force Ryan Tannehill to beat them is putting guys like Marcus Peters on an island and putting him in man and saying, all right, you're going to be responsible with this. You have to watch out for these fakes and make sure that you're not caught on that island. And time and time again, Marcus Peters just got continually burned. So I do think with the return of Clay's Campbell, with the return of Brandon Williams, we will, we will see Baltimore kind of ease up off of sending so many guys to the line at once and then ultimately sending them to try to disrupt the run game because Baltimore definitely needs to take away some of the stuff the Tennessee Titans did in that first game. Yeah, and that particular matchup is going to be one to watch because while the Ravens were missing Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell, the Titans were also missing their best offensive lineman and left guard Roger Saffold. So I, I in my personal opinion, the, the Ravens two players, their impact is going to outweigh the impact of the Titans starting guard. But just saying, you know, that interior matchup there in the run game is going to be vastly different in this matchup than it was before. And on that note, obviously, both of these teams have had issues with COVID throughout the season more than maybe any other teams in the NFL. And that obviously had to do with some of the slow start the Ravens were off to. But is there any COVID impacts on this game that, that you're aware of? And outside of just that, are there any injury impacts that you think could affect this game from the Ravens side of things? Yeah, Tyler, the Ravens have been decimated this season. I know the Titans have as well by injuries, by COVID. There's been some subpar play here and there. They've had to battle a lot of adversity to get to the point where they are six and five. You know that they are that they're that record after the Steelers game where yeah. they pretty much don't have half their team. And I think if you kind of asked around the league, people would probably say, all right, well, they could probably lose a game here or there and still make the playoffs. That would not have been the case unless they had lost to the New York mm -hmm. Giants. That's the only game they could have lost and still made the playoffs. Baltimore, their playoff started over a month ago. So yeah. with the Ravens, their COVID issues, they've been kind of like continuing in small bursts. You'll see a guy go on the COVID list here. Sam Cook, their punter, missed last week's game against the Bengals with being on the COVID list. I believe he had an inconclusive test in the NFL, and I guess the Ravens just did not feel comfortable with putting him out there. So right. I, th I think he will be back, but the underlying effects of that outbreak are all gone. You know, you've seen guys throughout the league, Tyler, I know, just be affected by the virus after the fact. I know Miles yeah. Garrett had a coughing yes. fit with reporters and this this disease this this pandemic is nothing to take lightly and it's mm -hmm. affecting world class athletes it's, it's affecting their families so luckily i think baltimore is past that covid issue right now obviously at the moment of this recording, I don't know anything, but there could be a positive test pop up here or there just on any day because that's right. the unknown nature that's of this the world. league. 
Yeah. Exactly. But in, ter- in terms of injuries, Tyler, for the Ravens, again, they've been decimated, but they're seemingly getting healthy now at just the right time. Obviously, guys who have been on been on injured reserves, such as Tavon Young, Ronnie Stanley, Nick Boyle, those guys are all not available to play. But the Ravens should be getting two big pieces back in Jimmy Smith and Yannick Ngakwe. Jimmy Smith has been out for weeks now, and I think they've been resting him and saving him for the playoffs. So his impact is huge on the field for Baltimore. And Ngakwe has been arguably the Ravens' best pass rusher, even though he came into the team about a month late. He was acquired from Minnesota in that Mm -hmm. trade. Other injuries include Billy Sneed, Patrick McCarry, Clayus Campbell has been, you know, in and out with that calf injury, but he should right. be good to go. The Ravens, they're getting healthy right now, and I think it's the best time to get healthy because it's playoff football. Yeah, you know what's really funny about some some of the things you said there? Uh, number one, I, I can give you a specific Titans example of a, a player being impacted by COVID. The Titans' long snapper for the last eight seasons was Bo Brinkley incredibly solid just on the roster didn't matter the coaches didn't matter the system just a great long snapper always around he got COVID in the middle of the season came back two weeks later and was terrible I'm sure that Ravens fans and I know you Kevin from watching the NFL remember that Titans game against the Colts in primetime where the Titans are winning by four points and then they botched two punts in a row the Colts score two touchdowns in a row and now the Titans are down by 10 and they lose to the Colts in that primetime game so the Titans have been adversely affected by the after effects that can affect these world-class athletes, even if it's just a long snapper. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was you're talking about getting hot at the right time, getting healthy at the right time, figuring out who you are as a team after a few tough weeks. Sounds a lot like the 2019 Tennessee Titans to me. So speaking of the Tennessee Titans, we are going to flip the conversation a little bit. Kevin is going to ask me some questions about the Titans, and we'll talk more about this game next. You guys have to check out the best tasting protein bar ever. That's Built Bar. Built Bar had a promo code running with us earlier in the year, and you guys sold out their inventory, and that was just their 12 original flavors. But now Built Bar is back and better than ever with even more deliciouser flavors to try. Brand new flavors include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And it's not just that the bars taste better than any protein bar you've ever had. They're incredibly healthy as well. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're even great for a keto diet. So make sure that even if you've used this promo code before at BuiltBar.com, you use it again as it has been relaunched for the new rollout. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order on their new flavors. You'll get 20% off anyway, but I suggest you try the new flavors, which I find absolutely delicious. Go to BuiltBar.com. Once again, use that promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. Turn here with both Locked On Ravens and Locked On Titans. Kevin Ostraker of Locked On Ravens here still with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans. And Tyler, we just talked about the Ravens, but now I'm going to get in that seat and ask you some questions about these Tennessee Titans. And I think, Tyler, whenever we talk, I have to ask you about Ryan Tannehill because he is somebody who I mentioned earlier I think doesn't get 
the credit he deserves. Ryan Tannehill is a starting caliber NFL quarterback in this league. He is actually someone who I think, you know, people put him in that play action, you know, list and say, oh, he's the best play action quarterback in the NFL, but he can't do anything else. His success is tied to Derrick Henry, this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, Ryan Tannehill has been someone who has taken step after step after step to improving his game. And since we last spoke here, Tyler, just a few months ago, I wanted to ask you how Ryan Tannehill has looked over these last five, six games heading into the playoffs. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has been fantastic. I think he's played some of his best football here at the end of the season. And the craziest part about it is, Kevin, and this is I'm going to throw some dirt on myself here during the Ravens game. The Ravens went up 21 to 10. Ryan Tannehill had a terrible interception on an awesome, awesome exotic pressure by Wink Martindale. I, I still have it saved on my computer. Just incredible defensive scheme. But uh, Ryan Tannehill was completely fooled through an interception, had a few inaccurate passes to the sideline on third downs. Um, and I actually tweeted out in the second quarter of that game, are we watching Ryan Tannehill fall apart like is that what's happening before our eyes right now and um and of course that was coming after a loss to the Bengals, a loss to the Steelers a loss to the Colts um and uh, I have to say I was wrong because after that about halftime of that Ravens game he just started lighting it up all the way to the end of the year uh and not only do I think Ryan Tannehill is a starting level quarterback in the NFL Ryan Tannehill is a top eight quarterback in the NFL and people can talk about scheme people can talk about play action but if you go on any of the uh any of the advanced analytic sites you go on PFF you go on football outsiders uh go on pro football or uh, pro football reference it doesn't matter all of the statistics show you that Ryan Tannehill Hill is an amazing quarterback regardless of the scenario and and most quarterbacks in the NFL this is always my argument most quarterbacks in the NFL are better with play action I mean the whole idea is to give yourself an advantageous situation in the passing game by influencing the defenders making them think it's run it is in nature supposed to make it easier to throw the ball and I like to give this comparison to me people saying you know well Ryan Tannehill without play action he wouldn't even be that good. Okay, well, don't let Steph Curry shoot three-pointers. How good is Steph? Uh, you know, that's like saying, oh, the Warriors aren't that good if they didn't shoot threes. Yeah, the Titans aren't that good if they didn't play action. Like, to me, it's like baked into the scheme. Ryan Tannehill's skill set fits exactly what we're doing. So to use that scheme against him to say he's not a, a quality player or something, I think that's asinine. And Ravens fans have seen Ryan Tannehill make some incredible plays against them. So of any fan base in the NFL, they obviously should know that he's more than just uh, a handoff to Derrick Henry. I think that's ludicrous to think like that. And anyone who talks like that just simply isn't watching what Ryan Tannehill is doing on a week-to-week basis. But we can't ignore the elephant in the room. There is a 2,000-yard rusher in the backfield with him, and that obviously does help matters. But to me, it's, it's symbiotic. You can't have one without the other, and neither would be doing what they're doing right now without the other. The one. So um, I personally said before the season, throwing more dirt on myself here, that Ryan Tannehill is not a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And I was proven wrong about that as well. Ryan Tannehill has been fantastic this year. And uh, I hope with this performance from this season, he starts to get a little bit more credit nationally. 
Yeah, Tyler, and let's talk about that 2,000-yard rusher. Is It's DH2K and CJ2K, you know. The, Tennessee <laughs> yeah. has has that, you know, they just have an inkling for getting those 2,000-yard backs, but Derrick Henry has been nothing short of phenomenal this season. Mm-hmm. And talking about him and what he's done to Baltimore, obviously ran all over the team in the playoffs. And then in this first game against Tennessee, the Ravens gave up a ton of rushing yards to him, 28 carries for 133 yards, although – For most of the game, they held him in check, but part of the magic of Derrick Henry is that that fourth quarter comes and it starts to get hard to Mm -hmm. tackle him, and the game goes to overtime. Just forget about it. He's trying to tackle the freight train after you've taken hit after hit after hit. But, Tyler, if you're this Ravens defense and, you know, all scheming things aside based off of what Don Martinell does, this, that, and the other, how would you personally stop Derrick Henry or at least try to neutralize him as best as you could? Oh yeah, I have a I have I have this all uh, plotted out. I've seen it so many times. Number one, the biggest key is interior penetration. So whether that be your defensive linemen themselves uh, being able to penetrate, or whether it be your second level linebackers being able to penetrate, the whole key to a zone running scheme is combo blocks. You want your center, your guard, your tackle, your guard, a combination of players to be able to double team a defensive lineman on the line of scrimmage. And then after the job is done, one of those players get up to the second level and take care of a linebacker. So now you're, you know, you're killing two birds with one stone with one block. You can take away two players on that combo block. So if, if you, it's multiple things that you can do. One, the Ravens have to switch up their fronts. A ton. They can't just go four-man front. They can't just go five-man front. They got to switch it up and make it different for the Titans to create confusion on what the blocking scheme should be. So if you vary your fronts to confuse the Titans all game long and keep them on their toes, you bring interior pressure throughout the game to try to disrupt the timing and the combo blocks of those outside zone runs, I think you can have a great chance of getting Derrick Henry. Now, a lot of teams, what they're doing too is we're talking about nine in the box. Not even eight. We're talking nine in the box. Five down linemen so that you have all offensive linemen practically covered, which makes it tougher to get those combo blocks off, which once the Ravens do that, Ravens fans, watch for this. If you're in a five-man front, Arthur Smith is going to bring out a fullback. If you're in a four-man front, Arthur Smith is going to stay without a fullback. So watch that happen throughout the game, the chess match going back and forth. But uh, that'll be key for the Ravens to vary their fronts so that Arthur Smith can't catch on to a pattern and call the right plays. It'll also be important for them to have their second-level defenders, whether that be linebackers, safeties, slot cornerbacks, creating interior pressure and disrupting the timing of the Titans' zone running scheme. So that's the key to, to limiting Derrick Henry. But the thing is, you can bring all that interior pressure and hit him in the backfield. But he's shown this year, Derrick Henry would be a top 10 rusher in the NFL if you just counted his after contact yardage. <laughs> it's it's outrageous. So you can do all of that. And Derrick Henry, just with his immense talent, can still beat you. But that's got to be the plan to start. Yeah, Derrick Henry is nothing short of a monster, but Tennessee has a couple of those guys, and A.J. Brown is definitely one of them. He was my number one rated receiver in the Mm -hmm. 2019 draft class. Oh, nice. Another guy who the Titans have on that roster who has come out and done a really good job this season is Corey Davis. If Corey Davis catches a ball here or there, Ryan Tannehill throws one more accurate pass here or there, the Titans are looking at maybe two 1,000-yard receivers with Mm -hmm. A.J. Brown having 1,075 yards and Corey Davis not far behind at 984 yards. Now, Davis had been a bit of a quote-unquote bust, if that's the right word for it, over the first couple of years of his career. He's really put it together and become a very good football player. 
player this season. And even dating back to last year, he showed some glimpses as well. So, Tyler, just how impressed are you with how Corey Davis has performed this year? And what was the switch that flipped for him? Well, what I'm most impressed with is his improvements in his game, and I'll get into those a little bit more. But for me, kind of the story of Corey Davis, I don't know if bust is necessarily fair, but disappointment I think is a bust to me is somebody who can't play in the NFL. They're a bum. They literally can't play. Corey Davis was always a solid number two wide receiver in the NFL outside of, let's say, his rookie season when he was a rookie. But his second year in the NFL, he went for, I believe, 65 catches, 891 yards. And that was with Marcus Mariota at quarterback in a scheme run by Terry Robisky and Mike Malarkey. So the first couple of years of Corey Davis's career, I think the scheme and the quarterback held him back. But he also wasn't an incredibly polished route runner. He also wasn't as good at the physical downfield over-the-top combat catches as you thought that he would be coming out of college. So those are all things that I was a little disappointed about with his game. And at the end of the day, he just, like I said, he's a solid number two wide receiver in the NFL. He's just not a number five overall pick. And when you view him and his expectations through the lens of a number five overall pick, you're only going to find disappointment because he's just, he's just not that guy. But like I said, he can be a solid starting wide receiver in the NFL, as we've seen this year. And the the big jumps that he's made this year are things I talked about earlier. He's gotten much better at those physical contested catches, using his big body, his big frame to bring those balls down. And it's not necessarily down the field jump balls, but like we saw for the Titans on a critical third down in the fourth quarter on Sunday against the Texans, Corey Davis makes a combat catch over the middle with a defensive back literally on him and is able to turn around, get up the field and get a critical first down. So uh, that has been a big improvement, but the number one thing is his route running. His routes are much, uh, much more crisp. Uh, he, he runs his routes with much more urgency. He's breaking out of his route stem a lot quicker and a lot smooth, a lot smoother. So uh, his improvement and route running, and that may in fact coincide with his understanding of the scheme and the system and what's being asked of him, which was a little convoluted with the previous staff his first couple of years. So I think Corey Davis has made incredible strides as a player, which is what is most responsible for his improvements. But I think getting in a, a healthy offensive system with uh, a starting level NFL quarterback also is a big chunk of that blame. I will say about Corey Davis, though, um, he can have some mental lapses, and he's admitted himself that he can kind of get in his own head and create some confidence issues. And we saw on Sunday, on Saturday, or last Sunday against the Packers, he was 0 for 0, 0 for 0, didn't have a catch, didn't do anything. And I think that 1,000-yard season, wanting to get that 1,000 yards was in his head a little bit. He's got free agency coming up. It's the last week of the season. I need to get those yards. I need to accomplish my goals. He had three big major drops against the Houston Texans that prevented him from getting that goal. And I do have to mention, Corey Davis's older brother uh, died earlier this year, unfortunately, and it affected him greatly as anyone with a brother or sibling should empathize with and his brother's birthday was on Sunday he said on Instagram so maybe it wasn't just the thousand yards maybe it wasn't just the the goose egg in Green Bay uh, anytime you're trying to go out there and perform at work no matter what your job is and you have something heavy weighing on you like the death of a sibling or a family member um, I'm not going to be here and and criticize him completely for that so Corey Davis is a solid number two wide receiver and as the Ravens know if you give him a good matchup he'll take advantage of you 
Yeah, absolutely, Tyler. I completely agree. Davis is someone who the Ravens definitely have to look to neutralize on Sunday. But quickly, before we get into final score predictions, I do want to talk just a little bit about Tennessee's defense because it has been, I'll call it a struggle, a struggle this season for the Titans defense. There's definitely talent on this roster on defense. Kevin Byard, Malcolm Butler, Rashawn Evans. There have been guys also, you know, Jeffrey Simmons is somebody who I know Ravens fans definitely do have a problem with, but is definitely talented nonetheless. Tyler, what has gone wrong with Tennessee's defense this season? I know it hasn't been all bad, but I'm sure it's not the season that you or Titans fans had been imagining for it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, uh, well, actually, hold on. Before we start talking about the Titans' defense, give me a quick second to grab a trash can unless I, in case I become nauseous. Um, <laughs> but I, I could talk an entire episode about what's happened with the defense. I will spare you that 30-minute soliloquy. Uh, I'll keep it short for you. One, the Titans didn't hire a defensive coordinator, and Mike Vrabel has now proven that when he is in charge of a defense, it's going to be the worst defense in the NFL. We saw that in his last year at Houston. We're seeing that now. So losing Dean Pease, who Ravens fans know very well, was a a big loss for the Titans, and a bigger loss is the fact that Mike Vrabel thought that he could handle it and didn't need to replace him. Also, the Titans have a first-year play caller on defense and outside linebacker Shane Bowen. And anytime somebody is doing a job for the first time, there's going to be growing pain. So the Titans have seen issues with they're running a slot blitz from the left-hand side, but on the right-hand side, they're backed off 12 yards, and the quarterback throws a five-yard out to the right-hand side before the blitz can even even think about getting pressure on the quarterback. The Titans also um, have had issues with regression from certain players who had been playing better. Kevin Byard had been one of the better safeties in the league uh, his entire career, and he's fallen off a cliff this year. Jayon Brown uh, got hurt earlier in the year against the Ravens on a dirty play, quite frankly, but uh, uh, he had regressed while he was playing and playing the worst football of his career. The Titans also have a talent issue outside of Harold Landry, an outside linebacker. They tried to get Jadavian Clowney. They tried to get Vic Beasley, and neither of those moves worked. And you could say, oh, well, they tried, but how come they haven't developed anybody prior to that in the first four years of John Robinson? How come they hadn't drafted anybody worth a damn in the first four years under John Robinson at edge rusher? So, uh, And then you look at the cornerback position. The the Titans lost to Dory Jackson for almost the entire season. He just returned like two weeks ago. Um, the Titans have Malcolm Butler, who's a solid cornerback, but one of the slower starting quarterback cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, they have Jonathan Joseph. For a large part of the season, who's 37 years old and shouldn't be in the NFL right now anyways, will probably retire now. And they also had an undrafted free agent practice squad guy in Breon Borders for a lot of the time. So the Titans simply haven't had the talent at edge rusher or in the secondary to be a better defense. They also have had poor coaching, which has caused regression from some of their players who performed better in previous years. And they didn't replace a defensive coordinator who, in my opinion, not just a schematic advantage from the knowledge a defensive coordinator could bring, but I truly don't believe there is anyone in the building who can stand up to Mike Vrabel and tell him that his plan is stupid or his play call shouldn't work or there's no one there to challenge Mike Vrabel's ideas on defense. And we have learned that Mike Vrabel's ideas on defense are not solid. He's not a good defensive coach. He's a good head coach like John Harbaugh, a leader of men, a CEO. He's not a guru on offense or defense. He's just a dang good football coach. That's what Mike Vrabel is. No one should ever mistake Mike Vrabel for a defensive guy because he doesn't get defensive uh, football. 
He, he doesn't. It's been proven out anytime he's had responsibility. So uh, a huge, monumentous mistake by the organization not hiring a defensive coordinator who can challenge Mike Vrabel and uh, you be used as a checks and balances, a regression from some of the Titans' better defensive players, and then a lack of talent at two key positions, pass rush and cornerback. There's your three keys to the Tennessee Titans becoming one of the worst defenses in the last 20 years in the NFL. Yeah, well, Tyler, I'm sure that all of Ravens Nation is is glowing right now because you know Salivating. the Ravens offense. The Ravens offense has found their stride as I as I oh, talked yeah. about earlier, and with that Titans mm-hmm. defense, you know maybe this is a game where Baltimore comes out and is fueled up for revenge, and they come out and just pour points on the Titans. But we have yeah. seen, you know, Lamar Jackson. He gets a lot of hate for a lot of things. The next mm-hmm. part of his chapter is rewriting that narrative that he can't win on the playoffs, yep. and that comes on Sunday against Tennessee. That's his next chance. So speaking of that, Tyler, let's quickly get into some final score predictions. This is a huge game, the third matchup in just under a year. What do you think happens in this one? Well, I got to tell you, based on the history of this rivalry, you got to put your money on the road team. I mean, there's no other way around it. In this matchup, the underdog always seems to win. I mean, you can go back to the early 2000s when the Ravens ruined what I think is maybe the best Tennessee Titans football team of all time, either 2003 or 2008, and the the Ravens ruined both of those. So um, it's hard for me to look at the history, to look at the Titans' defense, to look at the way the Ravens are playing here recently and expect the Titans to win, but... I mean, at some point we have to acknowledge that maybe the Titans just have the Ravens number. Maybe they just have such a good plan to go against Lamar Jackson that it it just wins. It just finds a way to win. So I I can't go against the Tennessee Titans in this matchup. I want Lamar Jackson to prove that he can beat the Titans, and he very well, very well could. I don't think this is a slam dunk uh, prediction whatsoever, but I am going to go with 36 to 34 Titans. Yeah, Tyler, I think that this is going to be a high-scoring game, too. I think this is just a tale of two offenses that, mm-hmm. uh, over the years, look, the Titans have definitely had the Ravens' number. I can I can definitely attest to that, at least over this past year. But the way Baltimore's playing right now, you right. know, like you like you can't go against the Titans. I, I, I just can't bring myself to go against just how mm-hmm. well Baltimore is playing right now. They are literally clicking on all cylinders. They have found their identity both on offense and on defense. And the one thing is, look, this is a whole new season. It doesn't matter what Baltimore did over the last five games. The playoffs are a whole different animal. And now the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and those young guys have another year of experience, another heartbreaking loss to fuel them. So I'm going to go with the Ravens here. My final score, I could see the Ravens putting up 40 points, but I'm going to end up going. But with the final score of 35 to 32 Ravens. But Tyler, this is going to be a good game nonetheless. I'm looking forward to it on Sunday, and it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a great time every time. Like I said, it's been three times in the last year, and uh, for some reason, I have a feeling we might end up talking to each other next year as well. Oh, absolutely, Tyler. And if that is the case, it'll be another great game between these two teams. Yeah, and another great crossover Thursday as well. Thanks, Kevin. Absolutely. Thanks, Tyler. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for this crossover Thursday. Like I said, an incredibly in-depth conversation with Kevin Ostriker. I hope you all enjoyed that. But I will be back for you guys on a Football Friday game preview edition of the Locked On Titans podcast. Going to do it for me today. As always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this was Locked On Titans.